We will now have our first message of this beautiful Sabbath day. And Mr. Doyle Carter, entitled First Fruits, Our Great Opportunity. Got to be formal once in a while there. Doing the. Because we have a song leader that really has dressed up today. First Fruits, Our Great Opportunity. It is hard to believe in about a week, and I had a friend dispute that when I texted him this morning. He said, it's not a week. I said, by the time Sabbath is over, it's a week, okay? It'll be sunset the next sun. It'll be Sunday. So if you want to be technical, one week and seven hours or six hours, something like that. And time really flies. At seven weeks or six weeks so far, it just flew. And we know that Pentecost is, a very, is rich in meaning for us Christians, very rich. And it holds many, at least as its part, holds many promises for us. So today we're just going to take a quick look at just one aspect, the first fruits. Now we know that it has other meanings. Let's go jump back a minute. We have the birthday of the church in Acts, Acts 2. We have other events. But I'm going to focus on first fruits. And as we know, the holy days are a review of our, the plan of salvation. So this will be definitely covering that. So just to go back a little bit of ways, maybe a couple of thousand years, I'm just going to go ahead and at least a quick review. There we go. A quick review in Leviticus 23. We're not going through scriptures. I'm sure any one of us has kept them for years and years and years, know what all this is about. But in Leviticus 23, verses uh, like, for example, verses 9 and 14, this happens as the wave sheep offering. As one commentary put it, because it talks about the wave sheep offering, how they... Sit here and get a like the the sat the morrow after the Sabbath they cut the uh, a bit of the grain go out wave it do the blessings, and it says in one commentary in Leviticus twenty three nine through fourteen, institutes the first fruit offerings. The people were to bring a, sh- a sheaf of grain to the priest, who would wave it before the Lord. And of course, there's also other things like burnt offerings, meal offerings, and so forth, which were required. And in this commentary, if you're taking notes, and I'll slow down for Becky and others who take notes, Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 10 gets a better description of it or a a more detailed description. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 10. And the last note I thought was interesting is with this wave sheaf, in this it says, no grain was to be harvested at all until the first fruits were offered, was offered to the Lord. In Leviticus 23, 14. And then we go 49 days later, or actually 50, you count 50. You go into the Pentecost. Go into Pentecost. And it also has something relating to first fruits. But this time it's not the same as that. And the theme just goes through these holy days about the first fruits. So in this, and by the way, this theme of first fruits directs us to the plan of God in saving humanity. And I, I understand why we review it yearly, by the way, just to break off just minutes and I'm being a little nervous for some reason. I can understand because we get preoccupied in our world like this week. I'm telling people today that I had a real rough week. We had a lot of chaos and you can lose focus on where you're at if you're not careful. Because this week, I, yeah, this week was a fun week. <laughs> The bosses asked for something that was practically impossible, and we did our best, and it was just pandemonium at work. 
But we're all good. We made it. <laughs> we is the Sabbath. Even they're happy because they don't have to work on Saturday. I must have a good example there. I'm glad they do it. Now, the Bible does compare our process, again, and the first fruits. Now, the first part of the pattern we see is the wave sheep. That, you know, before any harvest is done, they have to go out, get an offering, and wave it before the Lord. We see this as Jesus Christ and his resurrection, or as the first part. And we know this because we can go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 20 through 23. We know this is a resurrection chapter, and it's an awesome chapter. Like I was joking out there with somebody, I get to exchange my body one of these days for a new one. It'll be kind of nice. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all dies, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. So Christ was the firstfruit, and then afterwards will be us who are Christ at his coming. Because as you notice, the wave sheep, they didn't harvest at all until that was dealt with. Then our opportunity, James, in the book of James, James actually addresses this concept. In James 1, 17 through 18, James 17, I'm sorry, James 1, 17 through 18, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shadow of turn, turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creative creatures. So we are a kind of the first fruits. We see examples of individuals, and I'm, I'll just give you the reference. I'm not going to mess up their names. <laughs> but there are examples where Paul addresses church members as being first fruits. There's one, for those taking notes, in Romans 16, as his closing address to it. In verse 16, verse 5, again, this is for notes. He talks about this individual as the first fruits of Acadia, I think is how you say that word. If I'm, not, if I'm not, that's okay. But he calls them the first fruits of this area. And we see also in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, he talks about Stephanus, I think that's how you pronounce it. And he was the first fruits of his area. And that would be 1 Corinthians 16, 15. But, of course, we only qualify through Jesus Christ. I mean, we all, of course, are try our best. This week I didn't get my best out. But we are to try our best and do what we can. But we can't do this by ourselves. We know this, as Paul says so, in multiple places. I'm going to go to two locations. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14. It says, but, but we are 
bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by God, the Lord, because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for obtaining the, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he was speaking to the Thessalonians, he was very thankful that they were being called, and they were being called since the beginning. The plan had got it where they were included. And this is, and how are they saved? Not by their own works, which we'll read in the next one, of course, or later on. If they're saved because they're sanctified from the beginning by the Spirit of God and of His truth. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Now, the previous verse talks about, it says, and I'm not going to really get big into it, it says, do, do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Then he, Do not be deceived. And he goes into a litany of a list of like thieves, um, slanders, and so forth. It doesn't say slanders, but like covetous thieves. And he says, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. And then on verse 11, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So even though we can't do it for ourselves, Christ did it for us. He's going to help us. He sanctified us. Sanctification, I looked it up for the fun of it. I thought just to have a word to look up. And it's basically as it sounds, it's like set free from sin, to set apart for religious, for sacred purposes, or to religious use, consecrate. consecrate. And it did use an example I've heard Ron Dart actually use when he was talking about the Sabbath. Because I actually, conversation of the past with someone who argued with me about Sunday versus Saturday, or Sabbath. He called it Saturday, and the argument Saturday. And I said, God sanctified it. He, he could have choose, chose any day, but because of the purpose, he picked Sabbath, because that was the day of rest he took. He said, well, you know, anyway, the conversation kind of went awry a little there, but the, the point was that I tried to point out that he sanctified it. He separated it. It, was, it could be any other day, but God sanctified it, and we're the same way. He set us apart from the world. And he's in the process of transforming us and renewing our minds as he's sanctifying us. We know when we do Bible study, meditation, come to church on a regular basis and get together and iron sharpens iron. When we, you know, some days we're not, I'm sure some Sabbaths we're not always the best because of the weeks, because the weeks drive us nuts sometimes. Sometimes they're great. Like this week, the storms drove many people nuts. The river was very high and caused a lot of stress for at least two people going to work because their roads were blocked. They missed a day or two. Finally, the river is draining down, so it's not a problem. And of course, we, we attempt to try to achieve this profession, perfection, but we won't. We have to go through Christ. We're called to be better based on what, at least as one example, what Paul wrote to the Romans at this last time, Romans 12, 1 through 2. He's telling the Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not to conform to the world. And that's hard because it's all around us and it's always trying to hit us. And it's even worse. I don't have my cell phone up here, but you get alerts all the time on things and you get, you know, and then you got coworkers. But we are to resist. We are to conform to what God wants us to be. As it says, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Or we're being sanctified, separated. So the first fruits tells us, before I go into the next section, is that basically we have been separated from the world and we are to the best that we can be like Christ. He's here to help us, save us. He has mercy. He's here to help us all the way through, which will continue on. But what are the benefits? You know, why do this? Good question. So let's go to Revelation. In Revelation, there's many other, op- there's many other verses, but I thought there are two of them in particular. In Revelation, we see, so let's say we go through the exercises. We do what God says, and, you know, we, we do the piety thing. And we, you know, of course, we live life. You don't not live life. Like, I still have to go watch the uh, last Marvel movie. I've got to go watch that one of these days and do some other things. But we do our best to follow God, follow his example. We, try to, we follow and let his blood cover our sins. But the benefits are this. In Revelation 1, 4 through 6, I'm sorry, that's in my notes, 5 through 6. In verse 5, and, and John says, he was addressing the, uh, churches of, the seven churches of Asia, but I assume that would apply to us. He says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins and his, from, in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's a reason I stopped. Last night there was unfortunately an event. I'm not trying to time stamp this message. But it caught me off guard because, I, my, like I was telling Maxine, the internet wasn't functioning for a little bit. Another one of those issues. Anyway, and I, so when it finally came up and I had some things written up, I discovered that there was in, I think, what was it? It was in uh, Virginia Beach. There was a shooting. Can you At the present, we're, unfortunately, we're kind of just bystanders. We can't do a thing about it. But can you imagine you do everything you're supposed to in this world? You do what God says. And yes, we'll mess up. And we won't like this week. A couple of times I foopawed down a little bit. But, you know, his forgiveness. He knows you're trying. He keeps working with you. And you make it. What could you, he would, what would you have done to stop that event from occurring? Because when I gather, 12 people have died and four were in the hospital. And it was in a public area. The guy was just disgruntled all they can figure. What could you have done? Could you have blinded him temporarily? Could you say he, you couldn't stop him? It was a problem. God said, here's my, here's my protocols. You were going to stop this situation. We don't want to kill him. We just, he's not listening. We're going to make him listen. Here's our protocols, and here, you just use your imagination. You could have made his gun not fire off. I mean, you're God. Come on. It's not like you can't stop gunpowder from working. You know, blind him. 
like Paul. Can you imagine Paul going, hey, you're blinded. Now what are you going to do? Maybe that will get his attention. You could stop it. We're not going to be innocent bystanders just going, or not bystanders, but innocent individuals just watching going, wish it wouldn't happen. We will be there to stop it. In, in, in Revelation 20, 5 through 6, but the, it continues on. But the rest of the, okay, let me slow down. Revelation 20, 5 through 6, for those writing it down. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years was finished. This is, this is the first resurrection, meaning when Christ comes. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, like the first fruits. First ones. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That is just an awesome promise. I like that. Because then you can, as many of us, just, it would just be nice. I don't know how to, that's just beyond me to think that you could reign a thousand years with Christ. And it, says, and it, it does give hope for the others. Says the rest of the dead will not be resurrected and if, at that point, but it does show later on, which the other holy days start, the fall holy days start covering up, covering. They actually start, that'll be the rest of the dead at that point in that. So basic inclusion, what my point of this whole message was, is as we quickly approach Pentecost in about a week, in seven hours, if you want to be picky picky, or something like that, we can reflect on the meaning and the opportunity that God has presented us in this wonderful day. It, is great, it presents us a great pattern of how, we're going, how the salvation is going. It, it, the spring holy days are awesome because when you focus on the first fruits, you realize Christ was the first fruit. We're right behind him, and then the rest of the dead will come later, and that again, that'll be another topic. So as we rapidly approach Pentecost, I encourage you to meditate on what, it, what Pentecost means and the other meanings, of course, and how, it mean, how it's a great opportunity for us in this life. And I wish everybody a great week and a great Pentecost next week.